Welcome to Passion and Purpose, a podcast with Jimmy Seibert and the Antioch Movement. Whether this is your first time with us or you've been with us for a while now, our desire is that by the end of our time together, you can say that you've fallen more in love with Jesus and have a greater passion for Him and His purposes in the earth. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope that you enjoy today's episode. Hey, so we've been journeying into a bit, uh, kind of stories from the past, stories of revival in your life and, and others' lives. And we, the last podcast, we're talking a little bit about your college years of you experiencing God personally. But it's, I, I love this phrase that I heard once, but the anointing comes with a purpose. Yeah. There, and, right. and right after the, this power encounter that you have and that Laura has, you go into the nations. Yeah. And there's a lot of people going to the nations this summer. Right. And uh, well, maybe just take us into what was your first summer in the nations? I know we've, we, you've shared it in so many different arenas, but sure. I don't think we've gotten to it on the podcast. Okay. So, well, let me first say that, you know, we talked about this really uh, last podcast. We talked about this hunger for God and yeah. God visiting us our junior year in college. But remember... Um, when God's visiting, like you said, He's visiting for a purpose. Yeah. And it is for our own deliverance, our own Absolutely. salvation. But it never ends there. Biblically, historically, if, it, if a move of God ends with your own personal satisfaction, you've missed yeah. what God's trying to do, right? Yeah. So the natural thing to ask when God was moving in our lives those first couple of weeks, especially when we got back from school, it was probably mid-September, was to ask the question, if, what do we do with all this? Yeah. I mean, God's pouring out His Spirit. We're experiencing the book of Acts. People are coming to Jesus. What do we do with all of it? And a buddy of mine said, hey, have you ever heard of missions? And I said, well, uh, you know, kind of, but what does that mean? And he said, well, you know, that's where you tell people about Jesus in other countries that have never heard about Him. Mm. And I'm kind of an adventurer. I said, cool. Do you know anything? anybody knows anything about it? So uh, he said, well, why don't we go to church tomorrow and ask around? This was a Saturday. We were out biking. So we go the next day, and uh, they had one of these deals where all the college students would meet kind of in a central cafeteria, and then you'd break out into classes. And they said, hey, we have a special guest today that's going to be leading one of our classes on the question, what is missions? Mm. So elbow my buddy and say, (laughs) hey, there it is. We wanted to know the answer. Let's go find out. So the guy had been 25 years in Thailand. He had been a former Army Ranger, West Point graduate, like a real adventure, go-for-it guy, had some incredible stories, kind of unpacked Matthew 28, 19, and 20. So afterwards, we go up, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm affirming him and as a <laughs> punk kid and saying, hey, man, that's really good. You know, I read that this summer. I mean, that's Jesus, like, you know, going to the nations. He kind of laughed. Uh, and, um, and he said, I don't know why I'm saying this, but he said, I have a friend that works in the interior of the jungles of Papua New Guinea looking for lost tribes, like cannibal tribes that have never heard of Jesus, never heard the gospel. And he'd love some young college students to join him this summer. <laughs> Now I found out Something that every that, parent that, wants to hear. Yeah. Well, I found out that this guy had no idea whether the guy wanted us to come or not. Yeah. Uh, we found that out later, uh, but <laughs> it was in his mind it'd be a great yeah. idea. So anyway, long story short, and we really didn't have anybody guiding us. Right? It was yeah. just here's the guy's name. We write him a letter. Those are the letter days. Weeks <laughs> later, he gets back. Sure, come on. 
Uh, and I just have to be honest, okay? So uh, Papua New Guinea, I thought it was in Africa. Yeah. Now, many of y'all listen to this podcast, you also think so. Hey, be, <laughs> be honest. You think it is too. So I find out around Christmas time, after we'd already agreed to go, that it wasn't. It was above Australia. And, um, and this is even going to be dumber, but I knew it was hot, at least on the coast, yeah. but I didn't know it was a rainforest, right? Or basically a rainforest, like dense tropical island. Um, it was mountainous as well. Yeah. But basically, you know, it's like, man, I didn't know if it was hot or cold, didn't know where it was, but we're just going. Had so to go find the Encyclopedia. Exactly, <laughs> the Encyclopedia Britannica, not just the Encyclopedia. And um, so we just packed everything into backpacks yeah. and basically said, all right, let's go. I mean, the, and um, so we land on the northern coast of Papua New Guinea, yeah. a city called Wewak. How about that? Wewak, Papua all right. New Guinea. Let's all go and, to Wewak. Um, and this guy for, for basically lived in a beach cabin, right, with his wife, two That's kids. Awesome. And his wife was like seven months pregnant when we showed up. Wow. She, she had the baby at the end of our time there. And um, Bill and I, the two, there was two, two me, me, Bill, and Susan. Uh, Susan had the one little side kind of nook room, and that would be generous to say it, room. Yeah, with a mattress in it, and Bill and I lived in the living room, and uh, and then the the family had two little rooms in this kind of beach cabin on stilts, and um <laughs> and and um so there was outreach. There was a little church there in the city, reaching yeah. New Guinea, but the big the guy's big deal is what he would call patrols to go out on patrol to go out yeah. and canvas new areas and preach the gospel. So. We're excited about our first patrol, right? And so we were going to go for 10 days into the interior. He'd identified a group of people that had kind of, they had heard about, they had heard about, they heard about, that had never heard the gospel before, up what's called the Sepik River. And the Sepik River is this old, winding, twisting river that goes through the heart of New Guinea. Uh, it's famous for crocodile infestation. That's encouraging. Uh, and the, the the real bummer is not just that it has crocodiles, but it's a muddy river, so you can't oh, see. Man. So you'll when you when you get closer to the people that live on the river, you'll see kids with one arm, one leg, because no they're messing around in the water. They yeah. don't see the crocodile. So yeah. a lot of lost limbs, that kind of thing. A little crazy. So um, I still remember we load up this truck. And we're taking two New Guinea guys who speak the local dialect. So you have English, you have Pidgin, which is a trade language for the nation, and you got the local dialect uh, of whatever regional area you're going towards. So we get in the back of this four-wheel drive. Bill and I are in the back with the guys with all the stuff, and we are literally flying through the jungle. I mean, holding on for dear life, mm-hmm. going through the jungle, you know, ducking them for trees, and we also far as you could drive. Then you get out, you put all the stuff on your back, and you hike to the river several hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and uh, um, so anyway, it must have been the next morning. We must have camped out there in the middle. But by the time we get to the river, just the, camp out in the middle. Of the well, it, it's the, yeah, it's the it's the morning, <laughs> yeah. and these guys are there in hand dug out canoes, wow. uh, war paint on, you know, just the the little kind of midriff loincloth thing. Uh, bows and arrows, wow. and you're like, wow, this is like National Geographic Plus. Yeah. And, um, 
And the, these are our guides, right? And we're like, whoa, okay. Are these guys believers? Uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, again, through the, they were at least warm to Christians. Yeah. Uh, you know what I'm saying? They had known somebody who yeah. knew somebody, yeah. and they had gotten to come up a river. And they weren't from the tribe. They were kind of a near tribe, yeah. okay? So the, the big deal they communicate is we get all our stuff in these two big hand-dug-out canoes. We're talking huge mm-hmm. canoes. And... Um, and they say, just keep your hands on the inside, right? Because they're low in the water. And um, so the whole deal. So you're going upriver, and it's hour after hour after hour. And, um, uh, and it starts getting dark, and it starts raining. I still have an old picture of, that I took of the rain coming down. And you're starting to think to yourself, like as a 20-year-old, you're like, what did you just do? Or like, oh we're going to die. This is stupid. I mean, yeah. we are in the middle of nowhere world. And you think... Like, way back in the day, you talk about not communication. I mean, there was no communications. Like, see in 10 days, maybe, right? Wow. So we, so here we are, out there in nowhere world. We get about five, six hours into the quote-unquote two-hour trip uh, uh, upriver, and we go up this tributary, and it's starting to get dark. And as we go up the tributary, you can see little red eyes popping out on the side of the... Wow of the shore and the shore is getting closer to the canoe and you're like, Oh my goodness, you're kidding me. <laughs> so by the time we get there, we had these like little, almost like pin flashlights. Basically the pin we get, light. we get there and they, they pull up to kind of a, a, a little docking area for lack of a better term. And there's a, like a plank over another little body yeah. of water to get up to the shore. And one of the things is we're carrying these, 60-pound generators, because one of the ways you share the gospel is you show the story of Adam and Eve, or you show the story of Noah and the flood, and they have those stories in their past. Now, they don't call it Adam and Eve, they don't call it Noah, but they all know the story, and so that's how you put context for Mm -hmm. Jesus. So anyway, we... uh, we're, we're walking up that plank. Bill and I are carrying this 60-pound generator. And I get, grab the hand of a New Guinea guy on the shore, and then the plank snaps. And I'm Gosh. literally holding onto the guy with one arm as he's dragging me up, <laughs> holding onto a generator, 60 on oh one, one hand. And Bill hits the water and bounces out like he's walking on water. I mean, just boom. And he is up on the shore past me. <laughs> Like I said, I, I've seen somebody walk on water. Uh, <laughs> fear will do that, not faith in his case. So they drag us up, and long story short, next morning we, we show the, the, um, uh, the slides, and, we, and then we say, hey, and they have bones of their ancestors in the trees all around the wow. village, right? And they have witch doctors and the whole yeah. deal, so it's a pretty spooky place. And... Um, is they show those slides, then David, the missionary, gets up and through three translations tells the story of Jesus. This God of creation, this God of the flood, is the God has brought you through the waters. Mm. And he has a name, and his name is Jesus. And you don't have to fear your ancestors and the wow. spirits around here. You fear God because God has made a way for you to be saved and to not only to live free from fear, but to live mm. in love and to find a salvation in the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. And they tell the story and the village is clapping because of Jesus being the hero of the story wow. and overcoming. And then David says, now what shall we do? How shall we respond? You must respond to this Jesus. And everybody's silent because without the chief, they don't know what to do, right? Mm. It's because it's a communal yeah. deal. 
And uh, the chief walks up. He asks David a few questions. There's translation going on. Everybody's just standing there. Let's let's say a village. I don't know. You know, sixty, seventy people. They're yeah. all there, and they're just listening, not saying a word. And then the chief looks at David. and He says, "We will receive Jesus." Wow. And and he's and then he tells everybody, "We will receive Jesus." Wow. And everybody, the whole village gets <laughs> on their knees, and he leads them in a prayer of That's salvation. Awesome. I mean, like. That's amazing. Wow kind of deal. So not only was that a wow deal, yeah. but um, you know, then they then we would take little day trips out to the surrounding villages. Mm. And then the, the guys would tell their story of what happened with them, and then we would share wow. the gospel. Many, many people came to the Lord. Wow. Uh, that was the only whole village. Like others wow. would be like ones or twos or threes or fours, because yeah. it was so oppressive, demonically oppressed mm. by the by the witch doctors. So anyway, the, so on day seven or so, we're, we're, um, they, they call us. We're going to leave the next morning, and we're ready to get out of there, man. Yeah. Wow. Mosquitoes that could carry you away kind of deal. And um, so the, uh, they said, there's an old man. He's dying. And he said, send for the men of God and tell them I want to be healed or die. Wow. So we... Go to this hut, and it's just a classic scene, like from a movie, you know, thatched roof on stilts. You climb up the wood ladder, the the sun setting, kind of breaking through, and and you walk in, and you see this guy sitting on a mat, like a, a, a just a, a bag of bones. I mean, wow. he is. I remember putting my hand all the way around his arm, wow. like my and and I just have a normal sized hand, but I put it all the way around his arm, so I'm basically I'm holding his bone. Yeah. And he had had cancer, and you know, mm-hmm. in retrospect, and he was dying. And uh, so, of course, we shared the gospel with him. Hey, uh, he who believes will live and never die. Do you believe? And we pray for him to receive Jesus, and we say we also see Jesus healing people. And so we pray for him. And, you know, I'm learning how to pray for the sick. We're believing yeah. for big things. And so we pray, and you're any better, and no, don't, don't feel anything, and we don't sense anything. We said, well... God knows your heart, you're going to be secure with Him, and we'll continue to pray. Yeah. So we go home a little dejected, excited yeah. for the opportunity to share the gospel, a little yeah. dejected that the guy didn't get raised up. So the next morning, um, we're packing up, folding up our tents and stuff, to, and, and all of a sudden we hear people running through the village and kind of yelling and, and hollering, and, and they say, what's going on, what's going on, what's going on? Because we don't know, like, is there a tribal war happening? Yeah. I mean, it's a little crazy out there. And... Um, they said, they said their translation, the old man is up. The old man is up. Wow. They said, and he is making you breakfast to celebrate wow. uh, his healing. And you cannot leave until we celebrate and feast together. The wow. old man lives. The old man lives. Wow. And so uh, the guy had not been up in months. And he is on his own two feet. He's eating. We have a little breakfast feast. We celebrate the healing. Wow. And then we're on our way. Wow. <laughs> You know, so what, 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 what would happen? So here's, here's what I would say. Yeah. Uh, just kind of a, uh, on kind of lesson one from yeah, that yeah, journey yeah. is that um, we had a heart for Jesus. Yeah. He had met us. And we opened up our hearts to say, God, is there anything you're doing in the world we want to be a part of it? Mm. And for us, it led us to this, you know, opportunity. And then... Instead of letting fear rule our lives, we just said, all right, let's just keep going forward. Mm. And we saw things that people would 
long to see in a lifetime, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and I like what people often say when people say, well, why does it happen here in America? Why didn't I see, you know, that same thing? And, uh, you know, we can talk through all that later, but, but they said, why did you see it? And I didn't see it. And I said, we saw it because we were there. Yeah. You weren't there. Yeah. Why weren't you there? It was inconvenient to go to Papua yeah. New Guinea. It was a bit of a sacrifice. It was uncomfortable. Yeah. It was way out there. It was dangerous. But there is where God dwells. Yeah. There's where the Spirit of God yeah. shows up. You got to go wherever there is, yeah. among the poor, among the needy, among the hungry. Yeah. You, you see more of the power because the hunger's real. Yeah. And if the power of God's not greater than the witch doctrine, then there is no God. Yeah. Your God has no no teeth if he can't have victory over the enemy. Yeah. So, so the healings and the deliverances, all the crazy stuff we saw, were were cl- because that's what was needful yeah. for this people for this moment. So I don't think you can keep doing what you're doing and expect the same result. Yeah, absolutely, you can't. Uh, of course, I, I've seen incredible things happen in America, and, and God's on the move here. And I'm all, hey, let's go for it. Let's believe God for it. But I also believe no matter who you are, you've got to step out of your comfort yeah. zone. Even if it's a good religious zone, you need to step out of your zone to where the people have the greatest need in the earth. Mm-hmm. And when you're there, you mm-hmm. will see things that will confound you that look like the Bible because that's where God dwells. Yes. There you go. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Passion and Purpose, a podcast with Jimmy Seibert and the Antioch Movement. For more information, please visit jimmycybert.com and antioch.org. We'll see you next time.